0: Forward slash phishing test. Now, NoBefore wants to thank you for listening to the show, and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated phishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free phishing test, which you can find at nobefore.com forward slash phishing test. Think NoBefore for your security training. CISO Talk Time. Hey, everyone. James Azar here with the CISO Talk Podcast. That's right. No sales, no junk, just practitioner talk only. That's it. You won't hear anyone trying to sell you anything about how this latest, greatest technology is going to solve all world problems. It won't. Part of a process. Joining me on our podcast today is one of my favorite people, Kosar Kenning. She was on our podcast before. And um, so, so Kosar's an awesome person, um, just general brilliant Thank you. <laughs> mind in cyber. And really, um, ne- what she does now, which is uh, VP of Cyber Fraud Analytics, is absolutely critical in the age of COVID-19, in the age of work from home, in h- how the new norm might look like and how these analytics now start to play a more critical role and Understanding insider threats and so much more, we're going to be talking a lot about that today. Before we bring Kossar on the show, though, we're going to take a quick break to hear one 60 second commercial from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, I really want you to help me in supporting our early sponsor, Get Smart Eye. So, Get Smart Eye is still in beta testing, but what Get Smart Eye is, it's an amazing app that lets you control your privacy, whether it be documents, pictures, anything that you want to share with your friends or not. Think of Snapchat only, no screenshots, and no one else looking over it. So if you travel a lot, if you're in airports, coffee shops, shared workspaces, and you care about your privacy, get SmartEye is the right app for you to protect your privacy. And here's the deal. Get Smart Eye is still in beta testing. I use the app all the time. In fact, some of you know that I travel a lot, and when I do, I don't like people looking at my screen at airports, I do everything off my phone, and as such, I use Get Smart Eye for all my sensitive documents and all my planning. So here's what you need to do to be one of our early technology adapters, an exclusive offer for Cyber Hub Engage listeners. Text 41411, again that's 41411, 41411, and type in the message of your text SmartEye. Then reply to the SMS that you're going to get with the letter Y, like Yankee, and download the Apple Test Flight app. Then go back to your SMS and you'll get a link to download the SmartEye app. Download the Eye app and use it. Again, this is an early offer for only cyberhub users text four one four one one again that's four one four one one with smart eye in the message. Kalsar welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm doing well thanks James. Um thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it.
0: You know I love having you on and we always have like these very very long offline conversations <laughs> and they always bring about like this would be such an awesome topic to talk about. Yes and And, and, you know, kind of before we get into uh, before we start geeking out over analytics, because because we're going to um, of course here in just a moment, folks. Um, But before we do that um, quickly, uh, for those who might be our first time listeners, our uh, base has grown since the last time you were on. Would you just give them a little intro into your background, how you got into cyber and how you ended up where you are today?
1: Sure. So I actually got into cyber about. Wow, it's it's been a while now, but um, I first started with fraud and I was at uh, American Express and we worked on an online platform that helps support other clients and uh, their online transactions. So, really started through the fraud um, aspect and then kind of got into cyber just as by accident, to be honest. um, Realized there was some anomalous behavior happening uh, in terms of our site being attacked and found out you know just that deep dive led me into cyber and then uh, since then I've just been kind of like hey it was a passion it was something I was really interested in it's very exciting stuff and uh, I really got a good break a couple of years ago when a CISO needed some help and he didn't have enough staff and I volunteered and that's where I got my deep dive into cyber and ever since it's been a really cool um, position of cyber fraud that I've gotten into so yeah it was totally by accident but such a great accident. I'm really grateful for the opportunity.
0: <laughs> I feel like I feel like cyber. Um, there, there's no one career course right you want to be an accountant you go to school you're really good at math or algebra you enjoyed that in high school you were weird like that (laughs) and then you you know when you were 17 and you're applying for college and people were like what are you going to do with your life you didn't say a fireman you didn't say i'm going to go do liberal arts and find and discover myself in college no you said accounting and 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 you went and you became an accountant or a lawyer and 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 that track is similar right that tracks pretty much like there's no different story so how'd you become a lawyer and they're like i went to law school Mm -hmm. when'd you know you wanted to be a lawyer when i started answering my mom when i started to learn how to speak
1: (laughs) (laughs) there you go exactly
0: right but in cyber that's never the case (laughs) how'd you start in cyber well, I was in the military. I wasn't really on the computer stuff. I was on the gun stuff. But then I decided to go into the computer stuff and somehow ended up in cyber. Right. Um, and those stories are like 10 times fold all the time. It's so awesome. Um, <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it is. It's, it's really fascinating. Kind of looking at leadership. I think it's so important when we talk about cyber to talk about leadership. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not one person makes a cyber team not one person makes a cyber uh, company uh, not one person makes a company secure from a cyber perspective it, it's it's obviously a team effort and it's predominantly by leaders um it, last night i was hanging out with a bunch of friends one of them who's uh you know who's a uh big time you know cyber executive somewhere and his mm-hmm. company has gone through an incident recently and our joke around was you know how, how does an incident get started and company? well it starts with the head and <laughs> Um, as we talk about leadership a little bit um, what are some of the key skills and qualities you look for when you're picking people to join your team
1: well for my team specifically I mean you have to have the the basics you need to understand data science uh, understand the technology you'd use Um, so from the technical standpoint there are skill sets that I'm not going to compromise on from the soft skill side it's a little different I need to see that um A person who has the ability to, you know, find those patterns and trends, a curious kind of personality Mm -hmm. and the ability to kind of, you know, with analytics, it's kind of crazy because you'll go down a rabbit hole and... Sometimes you can just, you'll find incredible things by going down those rabbit holes, but you need to be willing to do that. And that's the kind of person I look for. Somebody who's curious, um, they're excited by it because cyber fraud, it's always changing. If you're looking for you know, a day-to-day, uh, this is what I do every single day, that's not gonna happen in this area every day that the fraud tactics are changing uh, the cyber threats are changing you have to want to be up to speed and that means doing the extra work listening to podcasts such as yours and learning as much as you can reading blogs and whatever you can to stay abreast of what's happening in the environment and sometimes um, it's interesting to see because people just you know like hey i just like building visualizations or whatever no i i need somebody who can do it all so i do look for people who are self-taught i'm not too you know certifications are great but i like people who you know hey i i they're scrappy you know and they want to figure it out and they'll do whatever it takes to get it figured out
0: yeah i think to do cyber fraud analytics which is different from maybe being a SOC analyst right Mm -hmm. um requires trying to really think like the other guy it's almost like a a a a, a blue teamer or a purple teamer. Right? Every, right. Like red teaming is so popular. Like everyone you meet like that wants to go into cyber is like, I want to be a red teamer. I want to be a pen tester. And I'm like, huh, why don't you want to be a blue teamer or a purple teamer? Yeah. Right? Because that's really the intro. because a lot of people go, well, blue teaming is boring. It's it's all about um fixing vulnerabilities. And I'm like, it's also about predicting something before it happens and then patching it so it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And there's an inherent thread with looking at your infrastructure or your architecture or your network and going, "Huh, that port or that door could be a problem. Let me go fix it. Let me try to break yeah. it and fix it." Yourself. Yeah, I mean,
1: I always tell my people, you know, think like a criminal. Don't become one, but think like one. Because i only way we're gonna Thin, we're going to get. Thin, <laughs> thin line. Thin thin line. they get it they get it um that's that's really important because as we're looking at these new fraud trends and you know social engineering and how it's being used um to commit the fraud you really need to think like hey how would i get ahead of this and those who can't think like that are, are very successful
0: yeah i i find that that's the only way you're able to really build a good teamwork is when different people come and go well i would attack it this way i would attack it that way i would Mm -hmm. come at it this way and this is how i would do it and you find that even um so so i love um watching crime stories like the documentaries you know where they're interviewing like you know this robber thought he could get away with stealing 10 million (laughs) dollars And he got caught because of this one mistake. And then he realized it wasn't just that one mistake. It was a series of mistakes. And it was law enforcement really getting a step ahead on the person. And so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that was really fascinating. So when you look at security leaders in general, and you've obviously worked uh, with some great CISOs, um, and you do at the moment as well. So what do you think are some of the skills security leaders need in order to really successfully lead their teams and inspire them? um, um, to take responsibility for beyond just their role?
1: So, uh, number one, I mean, from a technical side, again, you have to know your stuff and you have to have grown up through security in terms of, you don't need to have 20, 30 years in it, but understanding all the different aspects of security, you need to be able to lead when things are in a crunch. So having the technical background definitely helps. um, And in terms of the soft skills, I mean, having that sincerity and being authentic, I think, really helps as you're building the relationships, not just within the department, but also across the organization. And uh, people can definitely tell if you've got somebody authentic in executive leadership. And that makes all the difference in the world because people then really want to a part of the bigger picture and they they work extra hard and they really understand the message and they take it as more than a job we have a great team i mean the way we all um when this all started the whole COVID 19 it's like oh we're all going to work from home starting oh tomorrow and everybody just kind of came together rallied and we're all working saturday sunday to make sure everything was going to be up and ready for everyone to be able to work from home and it was just having that personal relationships with different people, not just the leadership team, but also our staff and, and our team members. So having that sincerity, authenticity, and just being able to build those relationships and having that open communication style is so critical and for any CISO or any executive leader.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's prime time for uh, CISOs. Um, I was on a call last night and that was exactly one of the things we were talking about was You know, the conversation now needs to switch from working from home. And uh, I think that that topic is so overdone, oversold, uh, overwritten, overdone, just over it.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't know
0: about you. Over it. Overworking from home. Over it. I was over (laughs) it two weeks after it started. I was over it. I couldn't watch a (laughs) webinar. I wouldn't answer an email. In fact, I put WFH in my spam filter. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I just, I could, I could look a predominant amount of people in security i think a predominant amount of people in executive leadership and security have the ability to work from home and do mm-hmm. work from home not full-time not like we've been um forced to do because of this crisis but part-time i mean people mm-hmm, yeah. work from home they, they do yeah. you know i mean it's it's just nature and so 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 Yes, um, there was a big transition of getting all your people in, but really, it just changed the endpoint i mean and and it changed the discussion of what an endpoint is forever mm-hmm. that discussion of what an endpoint is the the whole idea that we can build this I like to call it the Simpson movie shell, right, just putting like oh, this
1: right yeah, the big dome the
0: big dome <laughs> boom, yeah, you know and and that dome is your corporate network, and you can control everything that comes in and goes out mm-hmm. of that network that that discussion is so old school and people were still having that discussion and right i think the younger versions of of and i won't say the younger version i think the more progressive cybersecurity uh, executives realize that the endpoint discussion is really the device it's really the device it's not mm-hmm. the network it's not no. that workstation it's the device right right and so and so that's why you see a lot of the EDR and MDR products really excel oh, over the last two God. to three years, yes. Um, especially now after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, they've really excelled. But it's just time to step up to the plate and really show leadership on an enterprise level. How do you see what what more do CISOs need to do to really excel on an enterprise level, get more visibility, which helps, obviously, the security case within an organization?
1: So for us, uh, we, I mean, from a very tactical uh, point of view, we had to basically show what we've done to help secure everybody. Because yeah, most of us did work from home off and on, maybe two, three times a week or whenever we needed to. Uh, But there is a group of people who never had the ability to work from home because they were just that. They couldn't. Um, so for them, being able to put them into a position where they could work from home and still conduct all their day-to-day business, that was a huge win. And making sure that we can show that through data and show the metrics and show you know, that we are covered. And through the Insider Threat Program, hey, look, we did find people were doing some funny stuff, but look, we found it and we killed it right then and there. And being able to show them those metrics and show them the those use cases and the solution that we put into place, to the controls that we put into place, that's made a huge impact on everybody that showed um, our board and all those executives up top that this can be done, it can be done effectively, and it's nothing to be concerned about. So if we this continues to go on for a little bit longer, completely prepared, and it does change the future of how we're going to continue as a business like do we go ahead and we allow this um, more people will be able to work from home regularly and it's not going to be a big issue and even those that we thought couldn't before um, they will be able to so it's it's really changed and of course those products that are out there like the EDRs and whatnot uh, I mean yeah they're definitely fast track to make sure everything was covered each and every single device was covered so that we didn't have any gaps and those products uh, really—they've um, made a huge difference.
0: Yeah, it's—it's that—that's a really good point. Uh, the the smart organizations are the one that didn't put out the fire, but really put out the fire by planning ahead. And I think if you, so so I've, you, you know I'm a history buff. You've known me for a while, so so you know I love history. Yeah. And one of the things I a while um, a while yeah. So one one of the uh, uh, books I was looking at was. The um, um, Spanish flu, and it's kind of like a history book. Um, so it's nothing interesting. It's not a. It's not an. Uh, it's not a fiction or nonfiction. It's not a story. It's just talking about. A lot of it talks about the uh, human life during um, from from essentially the the start of the U.S. all the way to Vietnam. It's 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 it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a slew of history and slew of different things that impact this country, from wars um, to internal wars, to state to state wars, to the Revolutionary War, Civil War, you know, and then World War One, and when you look at the Spanish Flu, you realize the um organizations that succeeded in surviving the spanish flu of 1917 and 18 because the spanish flu went on until 1920 and Mm -hmm. i think that's often people think oh spanish flu went on for a year no 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 it was it was like three years and it started in 1917 that was like the first wave it wasn't so bad second wave came through and like killed millions Mm -hmm. um and 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 that, that was a whole other thing and back then people traveled in ships Right, (laughs) Titanic (laughs) happened around the time of the Spanish flu, folks. (laughs) Oh, Um, man! So, so smart, smart security organizations really do plan ahead, um, and really do realize that there's going to be a second and a third wave to this, and we are going to go back into quarantine at some point again, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be for two to three weeks, whether it be five weeks. I think it just depends on your population areas and um and, and 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 population areas like just mm-hmm. you know if you're in new york you're probably going to go on a five six week quarantine because that's what it's going oh, right. to take yeah. right people live on top like of each other and under each other and, and exactly you know um and, and i thought california didn't get it as bad as uh, i i thought the governor there did an excellent job i mean not beyond mm-hmm. to anything i think you know he took it seriously i think he's overstepping his powers now i think you know close shutting down beaches is just dumb a lot of people go to the beach <laughs> they need to be in open air right Let i mean that, that's just i mean i went to lake lanier um last uh-huh. weekend on sunday It was packed oh really packed oh
1: uh, wow. but people
0: were still practicing social distancing -hmm. Right? That's the important
1: thing. Right?
0: People were on their boats. People were on their jet skis. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, families that were on their boats all on their own. People were being responsible.
1: Yeah. That's all that matters.
0: That's all that matters. Kind of looking, kind of switching to cyber fraud analytics, as you look at how much time you spend on that, what are some of the trends? That were happening maybe before COVID nineteen, that COVID nineteen really excelled, or did 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 fraud die with COVID nineteen, only to come back? I mean, did, did fraudsters go into quarantine too?
1: Not at all. I think this is like <laughs> their happy time. Um, yeah. <laughs> they they really upped their game, um, but it's it's interesting because their tactics have changed. In a way, um, we're seeing a lot more of the patient fraudster. They obviously feel like they have a lot more time, so they're putting a lot more thought into how they're attacking. Um, And it's interesting because first we'd get more of the, I don't know if you want to call it smash and grab, but it kind of felt like that, like just all out, like we're just going to hit the company and try to get as much as we can, as many, you know, impact as many accounts as possible. And now it's more like they're sitting there, they're waiting. Um, There's a lot more of sim swap happening which takes a lot more effort and a lot more, hey, social engineering, dig up all the information you can on this individual, call up the carrier, pretend you're the individual, get them to switch all the information over to you and then, open the new account all the OTP information goes straight to that fraudster and we're seeing a lot more of that happen now and it's it's really interesting to see the sudden change we had as soon as we all started working from home and I think it's just a matter of fraudsters like we're all online constantly right. um I think that's kind of opening us up to more of this just because whereas maybe we didn't spend as much time before we do now. And so they're, they're having, I think, a field day with researching and getting more information from everybody. And even with kids just being online all the time, it's like review your safety, uh, cyber safety rules, because they're just on it every day.
0: You know, one of the things I thought of, and it kind of crossed my mind, is when before COVID-19, doing fraud wasn't hard because people were in the same office. So if you got an email from John and John was three doors down, you didn't really talk to John. Mm-hmm. You just did it, right? Or if it came from Mike and Mike's on this, you know, the 7th floor and you're on the 4th floor, it, you didn't pick up the phone. You were like, okay. "Oh, it's Mike. You know, I saw Mike in the elevator. I saw him in in the coffee room. I saw him at a meeting today." You don't you don't really question it. I think Frosters now realized mm-hmm. that people have spent so much time on Zoom calls and so much time on conference calls that when they're getting these emails, yeah. chances are if it seems like it's awkward or a, a weird request, they're going to pick up the phone and call that person or better yet, they might be on a call with them. So they're trying to finesse their way to get people to do that. I, that That's what, I mean, if I was on that bad side, that's what I'd be, I wouldn't be, I mean, my way of doing BEC would have to absolutely change.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think so because now, I mean, it's weird. I almost feel like for us at least um we're it's so easy for us to just pick up the phone and just call a person and say hey what's going on right like we're always all day long uh one conference call after another constantly on webex and just a lot of information being shared and sometimes i think i've talked to some other people in the industry where they weren't ready for this right so they didn't have like the um Shared repositories where they could land a file and have maybe a vendor pick it up or whatever it is. And so they're still like, you know, hey, we'll just, or even like within the company, they didn't have a shared repository. So they're just emailing it to one another and didn't have the proper controls in place. So I think this has really exposed us, in my opinion, that, you know, we've actually introduced a lot more risk because now we have people who are very excited that, hey, you know, I have to get this job done. Whereas before it was just like, you know, hey, we'll just send it now we're working with our depending on the company again some people weren't as up to speed as they needed to be and their security wasn't in place they didn't really have the vpn connection they didn't really have their vdi set up correctly people were using their personal laptops and uh you anyway, know i spoke to you about this and then i just kind of got more curious and talked to a few other people in the industry and i was surprised you were very right about that people um I lived in a little bubble. Uh, I've worked at really big companies. and am very lucky for that opportunity. But the problems we had so different than other companies where their information was just kind of sitting out there and they're just emailing it out to each other and that has been intercepted. So it's it really depends on the organization, I think. But in terms of B, C, and, and just there's so much more you could eavesdrop on and there's so much more that you could be... You know, if you're using Zoom, we all know what happened there, and uh, it's really interesting to see. Yeah, but the, the but, different,
0: but 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 the Zoom issue. One, I think people are 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 so quick to. You know, whenever I tell someone I work in security now, they go, "Oh, well, well what do you think about what happened to Zoom?" And I'm like, um, "Nothing happened to Zoom." So, so they had a few security vulnerabilities, which, by the way, they patched and owned up to it right away. Right. Awesome response. Um, number one. Number two, hey, user, change your conference call ID. I got to tell you, in the first two weeks of this, I had so many Zoom calls, and it was embarrassing. Uh It was embarrassing. I'll tell you why. Someone will send me a Zoom invite, uh, Kosar, and I'll join the Zoom call, right? So our Uh call's at four o'clock, and I'll join at four, and they're in the middle of, like, a sales Another meeting? And (laughs) into another meeting, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like this is real? And you know, like you're on the tail end of a meeting, so typically it's always like some juicy detail, right? Like, you know, we can give you a 15, 20% discount, and there I'm like, go. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> it can't be done. <laughs> I want a twenty-five percent discount. Why are they more special than exactly. me? Exactly. <laughs> right? Like like it's 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 really like um, just, just practice hygiene, pay attention, um, don't work fast, slow down a little bit. COVID-19, if it did anything, it slowed us down a little bit. It allowed us to really sit back and think about every click before we did it.
1: See, and I think what you just uh, touched on, the, it's the user's responsibility. Now, I, I'm looking at my parents who, wow, they're pretty new to technology, right? Like they, they get on Zoom calls to do their Arabic class and whatnot, and... Um, They had no idea how to do it, right? So it was like me from here, (laughs) FaceTiming them, and they're trying to point at the laptop and show me what's going on. I'm like, oh, wow. So, um, you know, we're trying to figure it out, but I'm like, the people who are using it, you know, my parents who really technology, no, it's not happening. And then my eight-year-old, you know, so she's doing Zoom meetings with her class and it's up to people who know, the adults, make sure that they're safe. You know, and I think that's just it coming back to responsibility. It, it always does lie with the user. Um, but having something, you know, definitely, yeah, it's just opens you up to so much more risk. And if it's not easy to use and people just don't understand the basic concepts, it's going to be a problem. So you know, it's, yeah. just, it's just interesting. No matter what we use, it's foundational cyber hygiene, those rules, you have to abide by them. And you need to make sure, you know, if you're going to use the tech, you need to understand a little bit. Um, but also, you know, just I think helping out the elderly and, and helping out the little kids who are you know just trying to get to their Zoom class meeting and chit chat with each other, uh, making sure that they have the right security controls in place and then having tools like Zoom again you know once they fixed everything great, um, and. You know, just even with WebEx, I, I did that the other day. I called in and was on the tail end of a meeting, and I'm just like, ooh, I should really get out of this. So I just, you know, click yeah. out and sorry, did it mean to uh, jump in.
0: Well, I, I don't apologize. I think I'm owed an apology when that happens. You scheduled a <laughs> meeting with me. You're obviously late to the meeting. You didn't send me an email or a notice to let me know, hey, can we push this back 15 minutes?
1: Right, right. Right.
0: And now I got to play, you know, um, conference call tag i gotta try again like all right i'll give them two three more minutes and then i'll jump back in and you jump back in and they're still in it and you're like okay i'm done i'm not jumping <laughs> back in again
1: <laughs> text me when you're ready yeah
0: yeah i mean i'm done and if i started something else i'm not get, we're gonna have to reschedule like i just feel like that's been that's been one of my like um lessons learned for people around this thing i'm just like respect it each other's time and 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 yeah do it
1: definitely be
0: on time um get it done on time and and yeah we do miss human contact yeah i miss getting together for coffee with people and i miss going and working at a you know my coffee shop and just you know mm-hmm. kind of hanging out there and 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 yeah i miss it but at the same time if i'm scheduling a a, a happy hour or a conference call or whatever it is four yeah. o'clock's four o'clock at 355, right. you know, you get it everyone gets a notification that your next meeting's in five minutes.
1: <laughs> you know what that
0: means? Wrap it up. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> when when you look at security projects, you've done a bunch of very, very I mean, I think one of the most fascinating parts of your role is you've always been involved in very fascinating projects that take fraud and user behavior analytics and cyber and you put it all together. What's one of those projects that you really enjoyed working on?
1: Uh, well, honestly, I've been really lucky in terms of I do some cool stuff. Like it's, it's some really interesting stuff that I yeah. get to work on because you get to see like the human side of it, too. And you really do have to dive into that side of you know, like we talked about before. You know, you have to dive into if I were a criminal, this is what I would do. Um, so I think one of the the insider threat program, definitely extremely interesting, um, especially when you're looking at internal insider threat and then going into the insider fraud. So, looking into um, you know, one of the cases I had in the past was um, we had a whole bunch of uh, credit cards go missing, and they had been mailed out to the different clients, and it was it was pretty cool because doing the analytics, it was like, all right, well, number one, all the people lived in one area, um, we have an office out there, and guess what, guess who's been linked, who's touched each and every single one of those accounts. And so it was just, and then we had the second part where it turned out that there was some collusion involved with the bender, one of the people who worked there. And it was just like, man, you ended up taking down a whole bunch of people. So it was pretty cool to see like how all the parts just kind of came together to fit into one big puzzle. And it's just amazing what you can do, just tracing the data back and doing the data mining and looking for those frauds, uh, the patterns and the trends. So I think that was... A pretty cool uh, project that we had. Um, it took a little bit of time because at first it was just getting the right data, which is always fun. Um, but compiling all the data we needed to to start that investigation and then going through and having to, you know, be there in the interview room and talk to the individual and, hey, this is what we've got here. And, you know, just kind of it's the closest I'm ever going to get to being my lifelong dream of being an FBI agent. So it was just really cool to, you know, sit there and kind of talk to them and be like, well, bam, here's the evidence I have. Now explain it. And it was just incredible to, to be able to collect all of that and just have like this solid case, which you could not sit there and deny anything. And it was it was really impressive, like the, the team, the effort that they put in to be able to pick apart every single little detail and put timestamps into when things were looked at and tie different logs together. So it was just telling that whole entire story from beginning to end and then having, you know, legal and HR go, wow, that's an issue. And, you know, everything that followed suit after that. So it was just really cool to see it all come together like that.
0: That's a. Um I love hearing about projects like that where, where you know, you start to track the human aspect of cyber fraud and you kind of start to trace human behavior and it becomes predictable, unpredictable with twists and turns. And sometimes it's pure just stupidity and other times it's just brilliance. You're amazed of, wow, you yes. did that for this. <laughs> you could have done so much better than that. Like, you exactly. know, you're so smart. Like, <laughs> apply it for good. If you used
1: your powers for good, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that That's such a,
0: uh, that's such a fascinating, um, uh, f- to me, it's so fascinating when that happens. It's...
1: It is. And it's just amazing to see, like, because you, you know certain people, and so you're looking at it going, there's no way that person would do this, because you have all that data, and you're going, there's no way. And, like, good people make bad mistakes. And I think that's the biggest piece of this that you go into the Insider Threat Program with that, you know, you think about that fraud triangle and you think about, you know, the pressures that they may be under, the rationalization for doing what they're about to do, and then the opportunity that was presented to them. And you take those three factors, and that's what I build my Insider Threat Program off of, because quite frankly, that's what it comes down to. It's, there's something going on, um, whether they're just really ticked off and they hate their job and they really want to make the organization pay for you know, them not getting promotion or getting a raise, or it's somebody who's in a horrible financial situation and they feel like they have no other option. And then, you know, there are opportunities where when you see somebody struggling, you can intervene. A lot of organizations these days have different types of programs to kind of help, like whether it's, um, you know, kind of talk to a counselor or whatever it is. And these are free programs that are run by a lot of organizations these days, just the benefits you have. And those are helpful. You can actually kind of nip it in the bud if you have these types of programs available at your organization and letting a person know, like catching those first hints of something's happening here. This is out of the norm for this person and we need to help them. Getting in there at the right time can really help you from, from the event ever happening. And it's knowing your people. And again, comes back to leadership are you sincere? Are you, excuse me, authentic? And do people feel that they can come and talk to you? Because as a leader, you know, your team is going to come tell you all sorts of stuff, like they'll just open up to you. And I'm really going through some stuff right now. Um, Yeah, as a manager, you have to watch them a little more carefully. But at the same time, you can coach them, you can help them, and you can introduce them to these programs if they're not aware of them. But I think in terms of leadership, that's another angle that all leaders have to keep in mind when you have a team, you're responsible for that team and not just their career success. You also have to kind of help them with their emotional and mental state in terms of, hey, just at least come talk to me. If there's an issue, if there's a challenge, I'm not trying to be your counselor or your therapist or anything, but let's have that open communication so we can help each other out. And if there is something I can do, let's let's work on that. So I think that's really important with the Insider Threat Program. And then we definitely have a big chunk of training um, and then just, you know, hey, how else can we get people to deter the the anomalous behavior that we start to see sometimes?
0: When you look at some of the challenges that practitioners have been working on, um, what challenges are you seeing cybersecurity practitioners starting to overcome? And what challenges are we still w- we we still have a long road ahead to really master.
1: Well, I think something that we're starting to overcome. Uh, I think for a while there, people were forgetting about what we were just talking about—the basics of cybersecurity—and I think that was said and repeated in so many different venues, like be it webinars or whatever. People kind of took a step back and went, "Oh yeah, wait, we forgot about this." And so they're kind of going back and they're looking at their cyber foundation and rebuilding and. and that's great because instead of going for all the sexy new products, fix what you have right. and make sure you're doing that right. And then come all the sexy new cool products. Um, so I think people are definitely – that is definitely improving. In terms of where we need more help, um, you know, again, I'm talking from a purely analytics perspective. I, I think a lot of people are really excited to use analytics and um, you know, to to get that type of insight, but they don't really think about – the foundations of those analytics, which is all the data and making sure you have the correct data and it's all available in one central repository and it's all accurate and it's timely and it's, um, you know, the, the data quality is there. So I think that in terms of where we need to go, analytics can give you a lot of insight and all the tools that we currently use in cybersecurity and there is no shortage of tools. There is so much data out there.
0: Nope, there isn't. No shortage of tools. You've, you've said it. In <laughs> fact, they grow by the day. They're like mushrooms after rain, they just spring out of right. nowhere. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I, I think, uh, and even with that, with the tools, I find it really interesting that when you go to an organization, you find that they haven't implemented the entire tool. They've just kind of implemented one or two little pieces, and they haven't taken the time to fully implement everything that they've purchased. And that right there is a problem. And then once you've integrated it, you've implemented, you've integrated, are you feeding that data back so that your data scientists and data analysts can do something with it? And that's the part that a lot of people are missing. So when you do bring an analytics team in place, do they have what they need to give you the insights that you need to make the better business decisions? And I think that's a part where we still struggle with because very quick to buy stuff, Um, very quick to hurry up and implement so that we can solve a problem. We're being reactive still, uh, but we need to plan this better, be a little more proactive and actually think about the whole entire data flow, which will in turn really help you get some insight into number one, is that tool even really working for you? Uh, Number two, is it the best tool out there? Like, have you done your due diligence and actually compared similar tools? And number three, um, what other insights are you possibly missing? that you could tie into other data feeds that you're just not doing because you didn't even know you had that data. And I've seen that at every organization I've been at where it's, hey, they they purchased some big tool that's supposed to solve all their problems, didn't think about the actual cost of ownership perhaps. And uh, so they went ahead and just kind of half implemented it and then they ran out of funds. And then, okay, so now we we don't have everything we thought we'd have. Are you doing this with it? No, we, we didn't know we could do that. We haven't turned it on yet. So I think that's a big piece of more of the planning and being proactive and, and really seeing if we're going to purchase this, what is that total cost of ownership? And then let's implement it all the way through.
0: Right. I think implementation is such a critical piece of that. You're you're absolutely right. If, 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 you know, when I always ask this question as for, for this new sister talk format, one of the things I put out when I looked at that question, I go, I wonder how many people are going to say implementation is something we need to do better. Because right. a lot of times we buy, you know, a product that really is you can really put it across the enterprise and it has underlying data that sometimes even the guys that are selling it to you don't know that it's able to provide you and mm-hmm. that underlying data could replace or or even boost a threat intelligence feed that you're getting yes um or or so much so, so much more stuff it allows you to put together a, a greater picture and and you know we hear about soar products, right? And and you go, oh, soar, great, that's what soar does. And you're like, kind of, but really, <laughs> y- y- you're kind of able to do your own soar if you just really, really just understand, and implement the, the the little products you put on your network or the lot of products that you do, and implement them correctly and maximize their usage. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really funny. I see people like that have like three or four different AVs on their devices right and I'm like why yeah just get one really good one just buy (laughs) one really good one
1: yeah that seems to be the problem and and it's just it's again it comes down to planning like do you really have your PMO involved in this or you know are you really working with finance and do you really have an inventory of all the tools that you actually have and the status of each of those tools like how far you've moved ahead and how much of it you've implemented every organization James I'm kid you not, every <laughs> company I've been at, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, we have this and this and this. I'm like, those five things all do the same exact thing. Some may be better than others, but what is the point of, now I get data and defense and all like uh, layers of defense, but this is a whole other this is nonsensical. Well, <laughs> this, I mean, it, this is it layers of defense.
0: <laughs> d- defense in depth doesn't mean have five, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I've had the same discussion and, you know, being being kind of, I give a really good, I give an example of it and I go, you know, war before, you know, in, in the 1800s and, and, and 1700s when they had muskets that line up men, mm-hmm, one after right. the other, right? And if you were on the front line, you were pretty much guaranteed to die. <laughs> Right. Like That was like, you pissed someone off. <laughs> They're sending you to die. It's going to take you a minute to load your musket. You better hope you shoot someone before someone else shoots you. Yeah. Um, At least take someone out before you go out. And <laughs> having five of the same things is like having five men with muskets in five continuous lines. Once I take one down, two, three, four, and five are going. I think the idea of defense in depth is so much more than that. I think the idea of defense in depth is I've got that one line yeah. and then behind him, I've got a guy on a horse and then behind the guy in the horse, I've got a guy mm-hmm. in the Humvee and behind the guy in the Humvee, I have a tank and behind the tank, I have a warship and oh, behind the warship, I've got an, <laughs> you know, I've got an airplane and behind that airplane, I've got a helicopter <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's defense in depth is you're making it harder. To, to get through the layers and layers mm-hmm. and layers of defense. You're not giving them, you know, you're not building the same fence five times over, but you're rather, you know, you can have right. one outer fence and then you can be digging. One fence could be 10 feet deep. Another one could be 20 feet high. You know, just as people try to go, they always tackle something else. And every time you're getting an alert that lets you know mm-hmm. there's something going on. Um, that's so true. That, that's, that seems to be, I think, in, in some immature programs where um uh, money's plentiful and um th- that seems to be a challenge is you, you go and you buy so much stuff right and then you end up with um with just half implemented stuff and then and, and that's really bad kind of.
1: And then it's also like with new CISOs, right? Like with every time you get a new change of management, they bring in the tools that they know and they prefer. And so it's like you may be in the middle of implementing something and you get a new CISO or a new CIO and they're kind of like, oh, well, I heard about this and let's just go down this path. And you're like, oh. so then you got to stop and then start again with something brand new. And it's just, it's there has to be a better roadmap and a better strategy and just stop buying stuff. Let's let's take inventory of what we have, and let's figure out what it actually solves for, what risk it's solving for, and move from there.
0: Well, I think that's partially also um, um, not the SISOS fault.
1: And, no, and, I don't and think And, so. and, and,
0: and I'm going to come out here and, and kind of like, you know, just let's say it for what it is, y- you're getting 150 emails a day from vendors trying to sell you shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, You've got relationships <laughs> with vendors who you appreciate, who you value. Right. And when you have a problem, you're calling those people. And when you're talking to those your trusted vendors, your trusted partners in security, um, oftentimes they're looking at this as another sales opportunity. And so sometimes you, you really do have to step away from people who have an interest in selling you something and kind of put your problem... In a bucket where people are going to, you know, throw advice your way, that's mm-hmm. really going to help you, and not just get you to spend money. And that kind of brings me to our, uh, our our final question before we go into our insight round here and our kind of our lightning round, and then we wrap up the podcast. But <laughs> as a community, we do a lot of really good stuff to help each other. What are some of your best practices? What are some of the things that you do day in day out that are kind of like, hey, this is what keeps me sharp keeps me effective keeps me going
1: well i do listen to a lot of different podcasts i do a lot of reading um love to keep updated with the latest trends and and what's happening out there um there's actually one guy i listened to who was a former um on the fbi's most wanted list spent some time in prison and he actually goes into great detail about how he committed his fraud I actually really like listening to him because it gives me a whole other way of thinking and I think it's really sharpened that side of my brain like now I understand how he did it which helps me start thinking more along the lines of how I would do it if I ever you know uh, need to analyze that type of incident it's it's really helpful to listen to all sorts of people from different walks of life who may have played around with it. Um, So definitely, you know, taking classes always helps. I'm always trying to learn something new. Um, GCP is my latest and, you know, Amazon, GCP both have such great fraud detector tools and they've got their cyber models going on. So it's really interesting to see what other companies are doing right now to fight the battle and learning from them. So that's extremely helpful and of course reaching out to my mentors and talking to my peers in the industry because they're seeing similar uh, things and, and they're approaching it a little bit differently so it definitely helps to get everyone's opinion on what they're doing don't need their secret sauce just need to understand what are you seeing and um high level what are yeah. you guys doing about it
0: so i'm, I'm gonna call you out no, no, there's no such thing as secret sauce i feel like when you the only time you have a secret sauce is if you're in a room full of salespeople then you've got a secret sauce i think when you're with your peers you know, I, I miss our coffee meetings. I yeah. think we haven't done those in a while. Um, even before COVID, we all got so busy at the beginning of this year. Right. Um and, and it was just really crazy. But you know, when we'd sit together for coffee, there was no secret sauce. It was just there. We, we, no, but
1: that was different though. I mean, still like if I'm if I'm talking to like, yeah, I wouldn't give my code to somebody like, "Oh, hey, this is exactly word for word my code." But that's what I'm talking about secret sauce. I mean, yeah. when we would talk, I mean, we talked about everything and it was just like, "Hey, this is what we're seeing. What are you seeing?" and, you know, and I think that's all fine, but it still comes down to like um, you know, in terms of my organization now and if I'm talking to another organization, Definitely can't share the algorithms that we're using um, because that does become proprietary information. So, you know, drawing the line there. But aside from that, I mean, everyone's really open about, hey, this is what we're seeing, and that's what I, you know,
0: this is what we're seeing and this is what we're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's all I need to know. I'm like, this is what we're seeing, and you know, hey, this this is what we think we're going to do about it. That's all I need to know. We'll figure out the algorithms on our side. But if you're willing to share that kind of information and kind of going back to the whole Israel trip, I was amazed at how forthcoming everybody was. And I still think here in America, we have a little ways to go before we get to that point of openness. But there, people wanted to share information because they knew that by sharing that type of information, you're just helping others and you're also getting like in turn and that's helping you get smarter and be more aware of what's going on and i do see that change now over the past few years i've seen people are you know we go to different uh, conferences or even whatever it is people are more willing to share information fsi sac you do see people sharing a lot of good information there um there are different you know uh the siphon alerts that you get people are sharing that information and it's great to see more FIs and more uh other companies are are jumping on to to share that type of information see you know hey this is what we're seeing right now and here's some information so maybe you can lock down that account too so you don't see the same thing happen to you so it's pretty cool that people are getting better and that's great to see that we're we're being a little more helpful to each other
0: absolutely so folks it's time we wrap up this podcast with our SISO <laughs> insight round so here we go you're going on the hot seat kosar one All buzzword right. you would bury and never have it come back again not even in a zombie apocalypse
1: <laughs> big data
0: big data <laughs>
1: <I> hate it <laughs>
0: one technology that will forever change cybersecurity.
1: the cloud definitely the cloud
0: (laughs) the last book you read
1: okay this is embarrassing but it's a goosebumps book I read for my eight-year-old daughter um (laughs) wanted to make sure it was age-appropriate for her and so got sucked into it and read the whole thing
0: (laughs) and last movie you saw
1: um I See You which I highly recommend it was good was it good it was good you should watch it
0: Um, you'd like it I'm I'm on this documentary binge right now oh really Um, I am i'm watching the documentary on the unabomber and it's one ah. of the only interviews ted kaczynski ever did with a reporter
1: oh oh that's interesting it's his
0: own words like you hear him huh. talk about every bombing his manifesto just very fascinating a look inside that man's brain that terrorized this country for 20 30 years just
1: well, that sounds interesting
0: very very interesting i've been on the documentary ever since COVID 19 um, oh, really? yeah <laughs> Your favorite music
1: It depends on the mood Really does If I'm programming It's got to be techno I don't know why But it just keeps me pumped And it keeps <laughs> me in the space There you go
0: <laughs> And one thing you took away From this COVID-19 crisis
1: um, Number one So grateful that we all have jobs That we can work from home um, There was a time in my life Where I was a receptionist At a health su- surgery center Never would have happened In that situation Um And secondly, relationships matter so much. Everybody, you know, needs to hear, you know, how are you? And they, it really helps morale and it really helps build your relationship further with your team and across the organization. And just having that human touch makes all the difference.
0: Folks, that was our Cisco Insight round with the awesome magnificent kosar kenning and with that being said the time has come to depart and wish you folks an enjoyable rest of the day while you are listening kosar thank you so much for doing this (laughs) thanks i really appreciate you coming back and kind of with the new format and and supporting it and 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 i'm grateful um for that folks we are uh wrapping up you can connect with kosar on uh linkedin um names is right below i'll actually throw that back on the screen so you guys can see it connect i promise you great person to kind of have in your back pocket to run stuff through you won't be disappointed that's it for us here uh this week on the cisa talk podcast we'll have a lot more guests coming up you can go to our website cyberhubpodcast.com click on the cisa talk um button and check out our next and upcoming uh podcast if you want to be a guest on the show you can also apply to be on a guest right there that's it for us here this week folks my name is james azar and until next time folks stay cyber safe